0: Bibles with you. Would you turn to the book of Colossians, chapter three? Colossians, chapter three. We we uh, were here last week. Um, the book of Colossians is, is was written to a gathering of believers. That's very important to understand when you read some of these books of the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, that they were directed to individual believers. Or churches, uh, yeah, or, or church, uh, believers in regions or in cities. This was a, a city called Colossae, and it was written to believers there. It was written to followers of Jesus Christ. Now, it wasn't just for them because the Holy Spirit, it's the living word. So it wasn't only for people back 2,000 years ago. It's been for every believer, every follower of Christ since that time, since it was written. But these were people, it was written to people who had begun a relationship with Him, people who had gone from spiritual darkness to spiritual light. That's really important because the directions that are given here is pointed not towards the unsaved, it certainly relates in many ways to them, but but it's directed to people who are now in faith in Jesus Christ. Not only then, but also now. In just a few weeks, I've mentioned this a couple of times, in just a few weeks, on this platform, we are going to have persons who have begun a living relationship with Jesus Christ, some in recent weeks, some in recent months, or even maybe a little bit longer than that, but people who have begun a relationship with Jesus Christ are going to publicly declare that, you're going to hear just a very small part of their testimony. It's going to be recorded, you're going to see it on the screen. You're going to hear a little bit of their story of how they came to faith in Christ, what Jesus is doing in their life, and you're going to see them declare that through water baptism. Water baptism is a powerful directive given by Jesus so that people who have confessed their faith in him who have declared him having come into a new relationship with Jesus Christ then publicly declare him through this act of baptism it's a powerful time I, ple- I I want you to be here it's the 17th of November it's going to be a very exciting time if you've been a part of it before you know that it's really one of the highlights now I also add this if you have not, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you have not since followed that with the, the, in, in obedience to be baptized as Jesus commanded, then, then you see me or one of the other pastors following the service, and we will be glad to, to, uh, to, to give you the information, and you will be a part of what God is going to do, really, with all of us on the 17th. Um, what we're going to read this morning from God's Word, what we're going to read this morning again, is for every believer, not just the people back then, but for every follower of Christ, regardless of how long ago you came to him. But it's directed to Christians. Last week, we looked at a part of chapters 2 and 3 of Colossians where it begins to describe how life in Christ is different from life in spiritual darkness. How when we came to Jesus Christ, and we accepted him, and we surrendered our lives to him, now our lives are to look differently. That we died to some things, and now our our behavior and our responses, the ways that we treat people, demonstrates our faith in Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Our behavior, having come to him, now our behavior and uh, the ways that we respond to, to people or to situations, or the way that we treat other people, demonstrates our walk with Christ. It shows it. Let me be very clear on something here: how we behave, and how we respond, and how we treat other people, can in no way earn our salvation. Right? You you can't you you can just you can be a very well behaved. <laughs> Uh, 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 treating people in a very kind way and a very uh, good responding person and still be absolutely lost so so our behavior cannot buy or in any way earn our salvation but having come to him and being changed by him then those things will also change so again in Last week we looked at closely at verse five of Colossians chapter three, where it says that we as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to put to death sexual immorality, impurity, that's another word for perversions, lust, evil desires, and greed. You see that there in verse five. These, these five things are listed here. And, and most of them having to do with sexual sin. What the Holy Spirit here is telling us through the book of Colossians is that having come to faith in Jesus Christ, then our lives, particularly in the area of sexuality, is to look differently. It says here that sexual sin is very real. It's, it's destructive. But if we are in Christ with our bodies, We are to live differently than the world around us. We're to live differently. If we have faith in Christ, we declare our trust in Him, then this part of our lives is to be different. Now, here's the thing. Following a message like that, and and I'll I'll just be very clear with you, that's a challenging message. The, the, The spiritual warfare that went on prior to last Sunday, and and it's I'm not a stranger to this, but it was more than usual, and, and and I know that I knew that that was going to happen because this is such a a relevant thing to our times today. We live in a world that is so sexually corrupted that that I knew that it was going to be a challenge, and and when we bring a message like that, invariably. People will often respond, and perhaps there were some here that responded this way. If, if you were here last week or you heard last week's message, invariably someone will respond with something like this: "Well, this is my body, and I can do with it as I please. That I I I have a choice. This is my body, and I can do with it as I please. And I understand that, and I agree with it to a point." only in the sense that that we do have a choice in matters. We are people who have a free will, and even though God's word is before us, we can disobey it, we can choose to do whatever we want with our bodies, but if we are a follower of Jesus Christ, and we say, this is my body, I can do with it as I please, you're absolutely incorrect, because if someone is surrendered to Jesus Christ, they also gave him their body. Did you know that? The Bible says this, in another place, the Bible says this to followers of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body your physical body. That's a very pointed statement here. The Holy Spirit is telling not only the Christians in Corinth, but the Christians today, you're not your own. You are bought with a price. What price was that? Jesus, who died on the cross. Jesus paid the price, and because he paid the price and you gave your life to him, you are no longer your own. We are to glorify God with our bodies because our bodies were purchased by him. Honor God, it says, with our bodies. So we can't say, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, we can't say, well, I know what what God's word says, or uh, I'm a Christian, but I can do what I want with my body. You can't because it's not your body. We can choose to go against that, but it's not your body. It's Jesus' body you're bought with a price. We're called to honor God with our body. I said this last week, and I always, I always want to give this kind of a disclaimer. Whenever we talk anything about sexual sin, uh, uh, that, that we need to remind, be reminded that, that uh, because some were here and some were not, sex is God's gift to husbands and wives. God was the one who created the ability uh, for sexual relations. This is God's plan. It is a part of God's great design, but he has given it to husbands and to wives. Sex is a wonderful thing, and it should be celebrated between a husband and a wife. Amen. Okay, not, not great, but it was all right. Um, let, me, let me give you another shot, because uh, some of you, if you don't respond in the right way, you're going to pay for this later on, all right? So I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to say it real slow, and then, and then at the appropriate time, you can say either, uh, like you, uh, amen, or you can, amen, all right? So you're ready, all right? Sex is a wonderful gift of God, and it should be celebrated between a husband and a wife. Amen. amen. Well, some of you really got excited there. It's true. How is it that sometimes we, we you know, and, and I've, I've heard it, and maybe years ago I said it, well, sex is bad. No, it isn't. It's a wonderful thing between a husband and a wife. It's a destructive thing outside of marriage, terribly destructive. There are a few things that... In in my years in serving in ministry, there are a few things that I've seen that have destroyed people more than taking this wonderful gift that God meant between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman within marriage when they take it outside and it destroys. Every time it destroys. We want to live under God's blessing. We know this is serious because verse 6 says God's wrath will come to believers who misuse God's gift. He put it there. We don't like to talk about God's wrath, but it's real right there verse 6. We're to be different. We are to be people who honor God with our bodies. Well, that was last week, but the text, the text continues. In Colossians chapter 3 verses 7 through 9 read this way. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, But now you must rid yourselves of all things such as these. And then there's that colon. Here's the list. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices." Please notice here, and you see the verse before you, it says we are to rid ourselves of these things or we are to take them off. Later on, verse 9, it says we take them off. It means means to remove. Those words mean to remove. It means to lay them aside, to separate them from us. It's, It's as if this was, this, these, these garments were part of the old person. I take them off. I remove myself from them. That was my old life. That's how I used to respond. Those are the things that I used to say. Those are the things that I used to do. But now I'm making a pointed separation between what I did and who I now am. It says we are to rid ourselves of these things. And, and six things are listed here And just a really Brief area. Six things are listed here. First of all, it says anger. You see that word? It's the first one there. Anger. Um, this this word. You go into the original Greek language in which the Bible is written, in which was a, a, a such a a powerful language because it it gives such meaning to each word. When it says here anger, it's talking about uh, an emotion that is strong that is long-lasting and simmering right you've you've all seen something simmer or another word sometimes that is used here is smoldering right it's that it's that ember that just kind of does not go out it's just constantly there it's that simmering it's on the it's on the back burner and it's not like it's exploding on the stove it's just simmering and it's just sitting there shaking that's that's the 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 implication here of the word anger. It's something that that, that is long-lasting, whatever it might be, but it's just always there. The reasons for it doesn't go into it. It just says that it's there. What it does say is that we are to rid ourselves. We are to get rid of it. God says that that. That was the old life, that's, where, that's how we used to be, but anger should not be a part of the believer's life, that simmering, smoldering anger. That if we have that, regardless of how it came, none of it is justified, if we have that, then we, we must do something about it. The second word that is used here, the next word is the word rage. Some some translations say wrath. It, 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 this, is, this is different. This too is angry at its core, but this is an explosive anger. If the other one was kind of a simmering thing, this one is an exploding thing. It's fast burning outrage. It, 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 is, it is all of a sudden from one moment to the next, boom, there. And, and maybe it doesn't last very long, but it does a lot of damage in a short time. Um, you ever hear somebody say, man, I, I, I got angry and it burned hot, but I got over it very quickly. Do, do you know that an explosion can happen in a very short time, but it leaves a lot of damage? And, and, and it says here, this rage, this wrath, this explosive anger, God says, get rid of it. That, that's, that's a part of the old life. That's the that's a, that's a way that we used to respond. Isn't it interesting, in the previous verses, the one that we looked at last week, verse 5, it is, it is kind of more of an action, right? The things that we do with our bodies, or in the case of greed, with, with our things. Uh, that's, that's more exterior, right? The things that we do. Now it's talking about the things that are inside of us. This is a little bit harder. It's a little bit more subjective. An action is much more measurable than an attitude. But an attitude is just as destructive, in some ways more destructive than the action. Addressing someone's attitude, a little bit harder. But he does it here. The Holy Spirit does it for us. So here's this, this, this rage. Malice is the third thing, the third brief but dangerous thing on the, this dangerous list. It means vicious thoughts or words. Vicious thoughts or words. What is malice? That's not a word that we use. Why, that was, that was just malicious or you have malice. You know, we don't use that very often. It, it means to find delight when someone you don't like goes through hard times. Now, don't raise your hands this, but you, you ever done this? I have you hear of somebody that you don't like or maybe somebody that wounded and something happens to them and you go well it just serves them right that's malicious when someone you don't care for someone you disagree with or someone that you've had conflict with when you hope for something bad to happen to them that's malice god's word says Get rid of it. it. There's an interesting word, uh, excuse me, an interesting verse in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 27. It's very visual. And it says this, whoever digs a pit will fall into it. If someone rolls a stone, it will roll back on them. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? That, that's, that's what malice does. Oh, I'm going to dig a pit. I'm going to dig a pit and they're going to fall into it and you fall into it. Well, I'm going to roll a stone. When I, when, I, when I visualize this, I think of that stone. Remember in uh, Uh, Indiana Jones, uh, right, and the the, the last ark, and that big stone, that's what I think of. Boy, you're rolling, I'm going to get them. All of a sudden, the stone starts rolling back on you. That's what malice does. It hurts us. Doesn't hurt them, but it hurts us. God says to his followers, get rid of it. Again, it's an attitude more than it is an action, but God says get rid of it. That, that this, is, this is who we were, not who we are in Christ. Slander is on the list. Slander means a desire to wound or diminish another person with our words. And that can be us talking to them or us talking behind them. We call that gossip. Do you know gossip is one of the most destructive things that a believer can do? Because it divides. It tears people apart. We, we shouldn't take it lightly. Gossip is a very serious thing, and slander is a part of that. God says, get rid of it. It also says to remove filthy language from our lips. That means words that are vulgar or obscene or abusive. How, how, how many words have been spoken to people that, that in, in humor or attempted humor sometimes or in, in hurting someone with our words, we use vulgar and abusive words. I, I looked this up. The average adult who speaks English as their first language has a vocabulary of about 20,000 words. Some more, some less. Those of you who are, uh, who are bilingual, your vocabulary is so much more than that. But if you just speak one language and that language is English, you know about 20,000 different words. But some people, just in conversation with them, you think, man, I think they only know about five or six words. You ever meet someone like that? Now, here's what I'm not going to do this morning. I'm not going to say, okay, put it up on the screen, all the words that we should. No, I'm not going to do that. Right? But we know that there are words that are just vicious And there are words that are crude. And there are words that are abusive. There are words that are filthy. Folks, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, we shouldn't have any part of it. When was the last time you heard somebody talk about the things that we say? But that's a real part of it. The Bible says, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, if we've gone from spiritual darkness into spiritual light, then one of the things... That we should live differently with is the the words that we use. And I encourage you. Let me just give you a, a, a brief example. I think I've mentioned this before. A man I never knew, he died when I was like two months old, was my grandfather, my father's father. Harry Weilman was his name. I never knew the man. Again, I was too young. But he came to Christ when he was like in his 50s. I think he was like 55 years old when he first came to Christ. That's about my, I'm 56. He was about my age when he came to Christ. I never knew the man, but I guess that he he could say words that would make a, a sailor blush. I, I, he was just, just horrible with his words. And when he came to Jesus Christ like that, the things that he was saying changed. In other words, the, the, the change was so profound in him, so real in him, that God delivered him from that, but I'm sure at times tempted to go back to it as the people in Colossae were. And the Holy Spirit says, don't go back to that. Our speech should be different. And so I'm saying what God, some of you, some of you are looking at this and you're going, I don't know if that's possible. What God did to my grandfather like 55 years ago, God can do in you. What he's done in countless others. Um, And finally, it says in verse nine, do not lie. That too is with our words, right? We're told to put away words that deceive, that cover up. Lying is such a despicable thing because it breaks trust. If you hear somebody lie, then you're wondering, well, are they telling me the truth now? It it breaks trust. It's not just a one-time thing. It, It breaks things. Proverbs chapter uh, 6, it, it contains another interesting list. Please don't go there right now. It's a fascinating list. It says it's seven things that God detests. That's not a bad list to look at. Look at it later, but it's a, you know, you, I, personally, I'd, it's good to know, okay, God hates this. It says six things that God hates, seven things that he detests, and then he lists them. Don't look at them now, but look at them later. Here's the thing. Lying or telling lies makes the list twice. Yeah. There are seven things that God hates, and lying is twice on the list. You're thinking, well, then why not just go with it? Maybe because he really hates lying. Jesus said, Satan is the father of liars. Lying is a despicable thing. If you tell lies, right, you some of you heard this recently, if you tell lies, you're speaking the devil's language. (laughs) And and here in Colossians, this is a strong message. This is a strong message. The other last week was dealing with our bodies. Now it's dealing with our words. God says, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Our words, our words, the, the words that we say or the words that we think, our words reflect what is inside of us. Our words reveal our inner thoughts like nothing else. You go on a 50-mile road trip. That's not a very long road trip. And you start conversing with someone, and you will find in a short time what's inside their heart. Our words reveal a great deal. Jesus said, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus said it is out of the abundance or out of the fullness of the heart that a person speaks. Whatever's in their heart, Jesus said, they're going to speak from that. Their words reveal what is in their heart. A couple of weeks ago, Joni and I, we were having coffee uh, early one morning. We do that about three mornings a week. It's just very important to us. We set that aside a time. We have devotions together. We pray together. Sometimes I fall asleep, and, and we just we it just it's a wonderful time. We were talking we were, it's true, isn't it? I do sometimes fall asleep, yeah. Um, We were talking and Joni said something, Joni said something, and I I don't remember what it was, but when she said it, I flared. Let's call it what it, I raged. For about 20, I wasn't angry at her, I was angry at, and and wasn't so much angry at what she said, but I, I was angry at something that she brought up that was there, and, and I just, for about 20 minutes, I didn't say bad words, but I said, I, 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 was, I was raging for about 20 seconds, and then I stopped, and her eyes were really big. She looked at me and she said, Where did that come from? I looked at her and I said, What do you mean? She said, She said, I think you better check your heart. Boy, sometimes the things she says annoy me. <laughs> she was right. And I said, You know, yeah, I didn't even know that was there. I better deal with that. Now, I think I did deal with it because now, for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Ask Joni. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I don't remember what it was. But boy, it reveals what's in our hearts. Right? Our angers, our emotions, the, the, the things that, that, that prick us and prod us, all of a sudden, boom, there it is. I, I'm going to say something now. This is not, this is often toward, this is both to believer and unbeliever. But, you know, there is so much anger in our world. How many know there's a lot of anger in our world today? And here's the thing. It's not so much that the anger is towards that thing or that person, there's just a lot of anger, and they think, people think, believers and unbelievers, but I'm particularly directed to believers, we think that we are, now some things, the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. There are some things that we should become angry. There should be a holy indignation, a holy anger. We should hate sin. We should get angry over what the enemy does. But I'll tell you what, so often I see certain things, and I'm not talking about necessarily political, although sometimes, but there are, there are people that are so angry and they think that they're justified in their anger and they're justified in their rage. But the Bible says, get rid of it because it'll destroy you. Anger is a powerful thing. I don't have time. And it doesn't go into here all the causes for it. But do not think, just as I mentioned last week, how sometimes we think that that we're justified in our actions sexually. Well, I'm in love. I care for the person. We can't afford it, whatever. And we use those different justifications. Neither should we justify the things with our words. Well, they had it coming. No, that is not justified. It says get rid of it. Our words matter. Our words are powerful. If we are in Christ, we are to live and we are to speak differently. Let me say it again. If we are in Christ, we are to live and we are to speak differently than we were when we were still in this world outside of Christ. We're to live and we're to speak differently. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. Jesus said, this is this is a hard verse. Everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Tell you what, that's some serious stuff. We better be careful of what we say because we'll answer for it. Now, here's the thing. Again, I could end right here. I don't want to end right here. This is not a good place to end because I want you to understand that if our words... If angry, malicious, slanderous, filthy, and lying words can destroy, what about the words of those who have been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ? If if our words can destroy, then what about the person who is now in Christ? Could not those words bring life to people? See, our words are powerful, one way or the other. They can destruct or construct. Genesis, many of you are in the Bible, wow, we're having such a great time. If you're not part of it, and, and if you're not a part of it yet, you you or you know everything about Genesis, you just you, but if you don't, if you don't know everything about, you come on Wednesday. We're having a great time. And we have seen here in Genesis chapter one uh, how God created everything by with the exception of man and woman, he created everything with words. That's power. Think about that. God spoke those things into being. With his words, he spoke it into being. There's power in words. Now, we'll never have that kind of power in our words. Certainly, this is God. But there's power in the Because we are created in the image of God, and if we are in the presence of God because His presence is within us, then think of what we can do with our words. Words can put something into someone that wasn't there before. Words, our words can build, our words can encourage, our words can instruct, our words can affirm, our words can counsel. And our words can comfort. I was twenty years old, halfway through, a little bit more than halfway through college, when a mentor of mine. We were—I I remember so clearly—we were driving in St. Paul, and I remember right the place. This mentor of mine, this person that I admired, this person that I had studied under. This person said something that changed the course of my life. I remember, I'm in the passenger seat, he's driving, and he turned to me at a stoplight and he said, Gary, God has given you the gift of leadership and I think that you should use it. I remember so clearly when he said that. When he said those words, the Holy Spirit highlighted What I already suspected to be true. The Holy Spirit had already put something on me. And I was beginning to be involved in some degrees of leadership and I liked it, but I wasn't sure about it. But he recognized something the Holy Spirit had already put in me, and that words, that man's words, confirmed it. In the years since then, from that time to now, I've never once run from any kind of leadership. But it began in part when someone turned to me and said, I recognize this about you. God has placed this upon you. And I think that you should pursue it. How many times have there been when the Holy Spirit prompts us to tell someone, and we go, I can't tell them that. It may be those very words affirming what God has already put in their hearts. In fact, in some cases, be very careful with this, but directed by the Holy Spirit, God can use you to put something into the heart, into some, some kind of a vision, a, 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 a seed of vision into somebody's heart that wasn't there before. And while God spoke creation into being, God can use your words to speak something into somebody's life that wasn't there before. See, words have power. Parents, your words are powerful. Parents, your words are powerful. Parents, regardless of the age of your child, I'm not simply talking about the age of children that we saw up here a few moments ago. But parents, the right words can affect generations to come. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. I want to be careful that we don't look back as much as we look forward. Some of you can look back and you saw some things that were said by a parent that perhaps brought death. Some of you can look back and you can see things that brought life. But I'm speaking to now, parents now and parents in the future. And that is, you speak life into your children. You be careful of your words. You be care, they may be 25, 35, 55 years old. But you speak life into your family, not death. What you say to your children, regardless of their age, will affect them and generations beyond them. Teachers, oh, teachers, your words matter. You have those students for just a brief season. Teachers, understand why James said, Let not many of you become teachers, and that you shall incur a stricter judgment. Parents, excuse me, teachers, you have them for such a brief season, but your words can influence them for a lifetime. supervisors and bosses your words matter as much or more than your administrative skills what you say is one of the most important things you will do you say well i'm not a parent or i'm not a a teacher i'm not a, a boss or an administrator not level of leadership like that this relates to every one of us this relates to every one of us We're to put some things aside, but we're to also understand the power of words. Do you know that we even came to Christ with our words and with our hearts? Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the power of words. That's the power of words. Your words, your declaration, Jesus is Lord, was a key part of you coming to Jesus Christ. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. But then, after we came to Christ... We demonstrate our walk with Him in part by what we say. That list that you saw up there earlier, it's a hard list. Those five things. Would you do an inventory? Would you do an inventory? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to just do a scan? A Holy Spirit scan of your words. Would you pray with me that God will, by his Holy Spirit, when we hear our own words, that our words will speak to us and reveal our heart? Our words. This morning, I want to pray with you. But I want, I want to do it differently. Um, I think a closing prayer unlike I've ever had here before because you're going to pray it. I want you to use that voice that God has given you, that mouth that God has given you, I want you to use that and I want you to pray a portion of God's word with me. Would you please stand? No one leaving. We're almost done, but please remain here in the room. I want you to pray a portion of God's word with me. Let's put that, that Psalm 19 reference up on the screen. Psalm 19:14 reads this way, May the words of my mouth And the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Isn't that powerful? That just kind of says it all right there, doesn't it? See, it's not not just talking about the words of my mouth, but the heart behind it, the the things that I think about in my heart. Remember, Jesus said, it's out of the abundance. what your heart is full of it, that's where your mouth is going to speak. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. When that was penned, the psalmist there in verse, in chapter 19, the 19th psalm, um, it's a prayer. And I want to pray this. In just a few moments, we're going to close. Um, our wonderful sound personnel are going to put some some background music on in, in just a moment when we close. Um, and these altars, as always, are going to be open. There may be some of you that uh, need to come down and, and just spend a little bit more time, and that's more important than really anything else that we could do this afternoon. So please know that these altars are, are going to be open. But I would like us to, I would like us in closing to pray this prayer. Can we do that? And then when we're done, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in prayer and then these altars will be open or if you need to go, you certainly can. But I want us in a very holy moment to pray this. We're going to pray it out loud. We're going to pray it twice because it's short. But if you agree with this and if this is your heart's desire that Your walk with Christ will be reflected in your words. Let's make this our prayer. If you have not surrendered yet, surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I want you to come down to this altar right over here, to your right, my left. Pastor Brad will be here to meet with you and lead you into a walk of Je- with Jesus Christ. That, that, that changes everything. But if you have experienced a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're walking for, with him, then would you join me? Let's pray this together. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray it again. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Can we pray it one more time? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord Jesus, you've heard the words of your people. You've heard these people say, Lord, I thank you for giving yourself to me and I'm so grateful that my life is in you but now because my life is in you may my words the things that I say the things that I meditate upon may they be different and may they be pleasing to you Lord I thank you for your presence it makes such a difference In our lives. It makes all the difference in our lives. Without you, we're lost. Because of you, we're going to live forever. I thank you. But now, Lord, while we're still here, we're going to interact with people. There are things that are going to happen that are going to frustrate and bother, stir us up. But may our words, may the things that we say, may they be different because we are in you. I thank you, Lord. Now I ask your blessing upon these men and these women, these young people. Lord, down to these boys and girls, these little kids who are gonna be getting out of the uh, uh, early childhood ministries, the kids who are gonna be getting out of AFA kids. Lord, we ask your blessing upon them. Thank you for what you're doing. May this week be different, Lord, because because we've surrendered our lives to you, because we've surrendered our mouths to you. Thank you, Lord. We pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Go in the power and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ.